0: And we are just so grateful, so thankful for his goodness this morning. Take your Bibles and uh, if you have the book with you, if you have the phone with you, or the laptop or the iPad, whatever version you have this morning I think is going to work okay. We uh, are going to begin in the book of uh, writ of 2nd Timothy, the third chapter. I want to read a a very familiar passage, two of them that are very familiar, and uh, then we're going to um, endeavor to speak this morning. Uh, The 16th verse of the third chapter, Paul writes to Timothy and And he really tells him, you know, be assured that uh, what you've known and what you've learned in the Holy Scriptures makes you wise to the salvation in Jesus Christ. Then he says this amazing thing. Every Scripture, I think uh, King James said all Scripture, but all Scripture in the whole and Every scripture individually. God breathed profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So that the man of God may be perfect, fully furnished for every good work. Now recently uh, Rodney was telling me he heard a man preach. And his message was taken from that, that the man of God may be perfect. And he said the preacher is the man of God, and so the preacher becomes that perfect. no, no that's not what it's saying here. It is saying that the Scripture is profitable for teaching. It's not only profitable for teaching, it is the teacher. It is profitable for reproof. How many likes to be reproved? I just really enjoy being reproved, especially if it comes from K. It's just a blessing. And uh, I know everyone, you know, children, young men, and uh, you know, we're still <laughs> training. I'm a grandpa training on the job, you know, and I'm trying to, to get my grandsons and, and uh, now Dustin worked with it and. I'm trying to relate to them what I know. And and so sometimes it comes in the form of reproof. And uh, it's not as good. It just brings an upside-down smile. And uh, so the Scripture is good, profitable for reproof, for correction. Oh, boy, we like correction. And instruction in righteousness. Now, I don't see anything there that says every Scripture is God- God breathed Scripture is good for making you feel good. And I don't see that there. How be it? uh, My mother used to say this, that you boys feel a lot better after you just get that first spanking in the the day and get that out of the way. And she was right. Uh, Just tuned us in there. Sometimes when God corrects us, it feels good. Feels good to get in line, doesn't it? Amen. And so we take his scripture. Now, I want to go over also into the book of uh, Ephesians, another one of of Paul's epistles in the sixth chapter and uh, taking on the whole armor of God, but we're just going to stop in the 17th verse, but here he is is encouraging the church, uh, putting on the implements, and we have all preached about that. But I I want to get to the 17th verse here. It says, and take the helmet of salvation, but I want this next part. And the sword of the Spirit. So it would be, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema, the Word of God. The word of God. Amen. Lord, we just thank you. I constantly realize that thy word is a lamp unto my feet. What you've got to say, whether it's correction, reproof, instruction, and righteousness, is that the man or the woman of God can come into full growth in our life, that word teleos being we call perfect, but really is. It's coming to completion in our life, Lord, and so we thank you, Lord, that your word does that to us. We just ask you now as we come into this session, this time of teaching and preaching, that that's exactly what will happen, that you will just strengthen us, encourage us. Lord, if needs be, correct us, reprove us, but instruct us in righteousness, we pray in your name, and we'll give you the glory of Jesus. Everyone said, amen. Amen, amen. There's two very familiar uh, talking points, preaching points out of the Scripture. And um, never mind that. She's, uh, she doesn't fall far from the, the tree here. But with the Lord's help, we'll capture this thought that we worked on last week. I talked briefly about the Lord, the sword of the Lord. And, but I want to go into it a little bit more about the sword of the Lord. Jesus came saying, He said, I did not come to bring peace on earth, but a sword. And so we talked about whether He came to bring peace or not and, and went through some things last week. But I want to touch on this again. The Lord just, just dropped some more things in my heart about the sword of the Lord. The sword is meant to dissever. It's meant to cut. It's meant to to trim, to... Uh prune even, to dissever things from our life. And we all know what a sword is like. And that was the main weapon in this time uh, that they used. There were spears, there were bows and arrows, but the common weapon was a sword. And so when they talked about the sword, the people of that age understood very clearly about the sword. We don't know as much. None of us probably even have a sword now we have different weapons and uh, ARs and things like that we understand but the sword we do not and so I want to talk about the sword a little bit this morning and I believe there's something here that God will encourage us in the first mention of the sword first mention of the sword we go back all the way back to the fall of man and God said uh, do not take and they took and partook and then because of that, they fell out of relationship with the Lord. They came to a place of, of falling from the garden. And the scripture says it this way, is that, So he, a Jehovah God, drove out man and placed at the east of the garden of Eden, cherubim, and a flaming, whirling sword, which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, that's an interesting thing. I don't know uh, if that path was the only way to get into that garden. It seems as though this east path, this way, was the only access to the garden. And there, God set angel in place, or angels in place, and there was a flaming. If you look at the uh, uh, original Hebrew in this, there was a flaming, whirling sword that was there that's interesting because men didn't even know about swords had no idea what a sword was and so the first thing that they saw of a sword was what God revealed to them and this this flaming whirling sword to protect the way to the tree of life and so you know I'm a good one for going back and looking what was there and saying that's a, that's a pattern or example, a shadow type of something that was to come. And so if you will on a few of these this morning, allow me just to indulge a little bit. There's a way... To the tree of life, and life everlasting. Jesus said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes, prostam patera, or comes to God and finds that way except that you come through me. And so there is a sword. Listen, you don't get to the Lord without the Word of God falling open to you and understanding and a knowledge of who He is by the Word of God. And so there is a protection of the way of the tree of life, or in other words, the cross of Christ. There is no freelance entrance into eternal life. The young man that came to Jesus said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He wants eternal life by something that he does, something that he can make happen. And when Jesus is done, basically tells that young man that you're not going to get eternal life outside of Jesus Christ. And the only way to life eternal is that path to him. And I believe that God has set a whirling Flaming sword that stops the access of any way to get to him if you don't desire to come to him. There is no way to get in the garden except through Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? And the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. I begin to think about that a little bit. The sword of the Lord. Why does he use the sword of the Lord? I mean, it could have been a lot of things. It could have been, it could have been the fire of God. It could have been the judgment of God in Gideon, but he uses this idea of the sword. And I believe there is there's a type here. It's a separation from Midian separated from Israel. God is always going to separate the world from his church. And he's going to use the sword to do it the sword of the Lord and of Gideon is to separate Midian out of the people of Israel they have come down like grasshoppers they've come innumerable down to pillage and take away the harvest the everything that Israel has and to leave them empty and it is the people of God and this is just like John ten ten. The thief comes, the thief comes to do what? He comes to steal and he comes to rob and he comes to destroy and he is there to pillage everything that you have. He's there, listen, he has come down, he's come down against this church, he's coming down against you personally, you have felt him as he come to destroy, but I want you to know this, that the one who came to destroy got destroyed by the sword of the Lord. When God intervenes by his sword, he will chop the devil away. He will bring him down and all of his works to kill and destroy our lives. God's Ramah. Otherwise, it does not destroy us, but it builds us. And so the sword that kills the devil, it protects the saint, and we get back what the thief has stolen from us. I like I was looking in Joel the second chapter because there in Joel the second chapter, that's the chapter that says in prophetically, I will pour out my spirit, says the Lord, upon all flesh. But if you're a few verses in front of that, it said I'm going to restore some things to your life. I'm going to restore what the locusts, the caterworm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm have eaten out of your life. Thank God that that same sword which... Which devours the enemy also restores the saint, and fills us back again. We have again what the enemy has stolen from our life. He has ruined you. He has taken away your virtue. He has taken away your good name. He's taken away all the things of life that are important to you. But then when you come to the Lord, God is going to restore you by His word, by His word which is true and right. And the Lord says and when the Lord says, it doesn't matter what the enemy says, when the Lord says, I'm going to give back to you, then I believe his word is right. Can you say amen? It was David who would take a sword and decapitate the captain of the armies of Israel. We know the story how David had a sling and he got five smooth stones and went out against that giant and and said to him, I don't come to you with a sword and a shield but i come to you in the name of the lord and when he threw that rock we know we believe that it was just not just david and his talents but we believe it was the rock the rock that slew the giant the giant went down but it's not over yet david comes gets the giant sword and cut his head off he would never rise again, the sword of the Lord would put him out of business. When, when the man of God takes the sword in his hand, he can destroy the enemy that is attacking the people. Amen. And so this, 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 this parallel... That's in the Old Testament of God destroying. It usually has something to do with the sword. And righteousness comes. Righteousness reigns in Israel. When David chops the captain's head off, then it represents that that no longer do they bow to the Philistines. No longer do the Philistines come down and control them. But God has given them victory at the edge of the sword. And so the captain of our salvation reigns and he has a sword in his hand can you say amen I didn't come to bring peace I came to bring a sword and the sword of the Lord defeats Satan every time when the Lord is in the wilderness and the devil comes to attack him I mean Satan himself it's not just some demon some under devil some angel from hell but it's the devil himself who comes to attack the Lord. The Lord only uses one thing against him. He doesn't, doesn't try and fight after him. He doesn't try to, to make a big scene about it. All he does is says this, it is written. In other words, the sword of the Lord, the rhema of the Lord is going to do the job in our life. And, and so we go back. Where we preached a few weeks ago, it said, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And and so that word of the Lord brought and breathed out by the Spirit of God will control the enemy against our life every single time. The sword of the Lord is stronger than the word of the devil. Can you say amen? He's a liar. He tries to gain control. But God is our captain. He is the one who has written it already, he has said it already. It is God-breathed. And Satan will, he will fall under the power of the breathed word of God. He can't go over it. Can you say "Amen"? man? He can't go over it. The breathed word of God is far more powerful than the power of the devil. Ahab told, Jeze- told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And with all how he had slain all the prophets with a sword. I'm trying to draw a picture of the sword here and how it worked in the Old Testament. And and we're going to bring it new. But but Elijah now is called uh, to demonstrate who is God in Israel. And so he meets on Mount Carmel meets with all of those false prophets of Jezebel, 800 of them, that's a lot, and one prophet of God. See, God just needs one man that'll carry the sword, that's it. And it's going to do the job. So what happens is those 800 begin to sacrifice to their God. And nothing happens. And over and over they... They cut themselves they chanted they prayed they hollered and nothing happened to the point that Elijah said maybe maybe your god doesn't hear you maybe he is gone on a trip somewhere maybe he can't see you and all the more they are trying to call fire down from their god and and so at one point Elijah says it's enough now we will see who is god in Israel and and then takes his sacrifice and lays it out on the altar that he had built and says we're going to pour water on this sacrifice just so you'll know that this isn't some kind of a trick that I've ignited it somehow and they poured water on it it's not enough Pour more water not enough pour barrels and barrels of water and then he looked to heaven and said The God the God that is the real God, the God that is over Israel, let him show who is God. And, and God, come down with fire, lapped up the sacrifice, lapped up the water. And it was obvious that, that God is the Lord. And so all of the people now captured these 800 false prophets. You know, I'm going to tell you something. This is pretty bloody, pretty gory But one of the great acts of Elijah was not healing somebody. It was not just a miracle over here. But one of the great acts of Elijah was to take a sword and kill 800 false prophets. That's a bloody man right there. You get done, and it said that he took the sword. And so I'm assuming that he is the one that killed 800 of them. And I would think about that. This is a great work of God. He was trying to rid Israel of false prophets. And so he takes his sword, and he begins to slay. And slays, I don't know how many hours it took him to kill 800 men. But they had them captured, and they were holding them there, and Elijah was cutting them up with the word of the Lord. And I want you to know that the word of the Lord still cuts up the devil in his rank. Now, John the Baptist comes in the spirit of Elijah. And so John the Baptist is also going to bring the sword. Luke 2.2. And the Ramah word of God came to John the Baptist. It went by Caiaphas, the high priest. It went by, it went by the church. It went by all the religious stuff. Came down to John. But well, I want you to know something about John. John not only was bringing down and lifting up, but John, by the word of the God, was taking down the hierarchy of the day. The same thing that Elijah did, 800 false priests. John is going to also exercise the word of God, the sword of the Lord, the rhema of God, and he's gonna bring down because he has the sword of God in his hand and he will bring down the high places, the hierarchy, those men who are false prophets in the land, and God is gonna bring through John the Baptist, he is going to bring down the high places raise up the low prices because he has that whirling, flaming sword of the Lord in his hand. Nehemiah, who set to rebuild the things of God, rebuild Jerusalem, put the walls back in order so that they could rebuild the temple one more time. And Nehemiah found something out that all around you, people aren't going to cheer when you get ready to work for the kingdom of God. He found out that people want the things of God to lay in waste. They're not going to join you in the effort, and Nehemiah is going to have to. He's going to have to struggle. He's going to have to push. He's going to have to fight. And so when Sanballat and all his people come down to destroy what they're doing, to put it not what they are building to set aside those things and and to cause them to come down from building the walls. Nehemiah found out that he's going to have to do something about it. And that was he had to get the sword of the Lord in his hand. And so in one hand, he's got a sword. In the other hand, he's got a trowel. He's going to build the kingdom of God, but he can't do it without the sword. Let me say to the church that when we go to build the kingdom of God, the enemy is going to come down and you're going to have to get the sword. It's the only thing. That's going to stop the enemy when he comes to tear down what you're doing in the kingdom of God. The word of God is going to have to be in your hand. Can you say amen? You might have in one hand the trial of a saw. You might have the hammer you're trying to build. You're working on the kingdom. And the enemy comes. He doesn't want it. He wants it to lay waste. He doesn't want men to, to, to get accomplish anything for God. And so he's going to come down and attack. But when he attacks, there's one who is stronger and mightier than him. That is the word of God, the sword of the Lord. And it will take care of Sanballat and His bunch. Can you say amen? Somebody said this the other day. I think Pastor Rodney, when he was preaching, he said the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Something's happened to the church, something's happened to the attitude of the church. I mean, this modern culture that we're in, thank God the other day I was watching uh, Fox News, which now has in- incorporated a lot of things that I wish they wouldn't, but the four women that were on the, uh, what do called call it, the five, they had a guy and four women, they said, what's happened to masculinity? And these women began to, to comment Men need to be men. Men need to be masculine. And I thought about this. You know, the world seems to the liberal side of media doesn't believe in masculinity anymore. They don't believe in in any kind of violent efforts, anything that would shake anybody up. Let's all just, just move things over. But the kingdom of God, my friend... The kingdom of God is not so. The kingdom of God is there is a violence there. There is uh, uh, a war there. There is a battle there. And those that do not pick up the sword are not going to gain the kingdom. And so we have preachers who have become sissies in the pulpit. They refuse to pick up the sword. They refuse to be masculine about it. They refuse to to stand up and declare the word of the Lord. And in so doing, they have failed the church and become a bunch of sissified men who are cowering down to women. It's time that men begin to pick up the sword of the Lord. What do you think this might mean what Jesus said? Since John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. What do you think that might mean? I, I think it's it's supported where Paul says, 1 Corinthians 16 13, watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be men. Be strong. I refuse to look at Rabbi Jesus any longer as the little softy. My Rabbi Jesus was a man's man. He carried a whip and he carried a sword. The picture which the church has portrayed about the Rabbi is a defenseless sheep carrier. And the Lord did use that as a metaphor that he went out and got a sheep and brought him back. But he also said, I came with a sword in my hand. I didn't come to smooth things over. I didn't come to, to uh, make you feel good about who you are. I came to ruffle the nest. I came to cause some issues in some lives. And in so doing, I look at our Rabbi Jesus And I say, thank you, Lord. I can look at you as my uh, role model and as my hero. I want to be a man like Jesus was a man. Can all the men say amen? And in your spirit, ladies, it's the same thing. You might be a lady on the outside. We want you to be feminine and a lady on the outside. But you need to pick up the sword of the Lord. It's time for all of God's people to pick up the sword of the Lord. See, the armor in Ephesians 6. I've heard this preached many times, and you have too, that there is only one offensive weapon here. There's just one. There's not a spear. There's not a sling. There's just one offensive weapon, and it is the sword of the Spirit. This is why I read in in, uh, Timothy and... The grafe, the grafe, the written word, the the Bible itself, the book itself, written down, the Rama word of God. It has been spoken. It has been written. It's there. Listen, you don't go above the Scripture. Somebody say Amen. Your ideas may be different. You may have some different input, but you cannot go above the written Word of God. There is nowhere that the Lord said you add to the Word of God, you take away from the Word of God, make it read how you want it to read. It is the rape of God. It has been written. It has been spoken. It has been God-breathed. And so it becomes the sword of of the Spirit. Ephesians, the sixth chapter, the sword of the Spirit, the only offensive weapon. And now if you think about this word, offense, it has two meanings and it has two pronunciations. It is pronounced offense And it is also pronounced offense out of the same word. And if you try and go find the dictionary on these two words, you're just going to find one word. But it breaks down a couple of different meanings. You see, the rhema of God, the word of God, can not only be just defensive for our life. And, And you think about a soldier who's got a sword. You can... I guess, ward off some of the blows with that sword. you think about the Romans and how they fought? But, but they had that shield. And that shield and that breastplate, really, that was the covering for them. And they would protect themselves with the shield. And a helmet, maybe the helmet, you know, helped. It was protection to them. But the sword, the sword was for offense. Now, how am I going to say that? Offense or Offense. The sword really, it was the only tool that was used to win the battle. You can curl down and try and protect yourself in the battle with the shield and the breastplate and the helmet. But you're not going to win the battle that way. Because the enemy has no threat to him. And he will whip you and beat you. Until he finally can get through the armor. Take the shield of faith. And we got that shield of faith and we're, we're hanging on. We're holding on. This is a picture of the church. The church is holding on. We're just trying to get through the next big issue. We're just trying to stay together, even though the government, you know, says, now you have to do this. Now you have to do that. Now you have to marry gays. Now you have to let them come in and be a part of your leadership in your church. Now you have to be compassionate in all these areas and do all these things. Don't you say anything to any child about homosexuality if they feel like they're going that direction you do not talk to them and discourage them about being transgender no 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 listen we're just trying to get through the next big fight and we're yielding down we've got the shield of faith and, and we're just trying to hang on and we're just trying to hold in there but what I'm telling you this morning there is an offensive weapon to win and you're not gonna win with a shield you're not gonna win with a blessed breastplate you're gonna win you're gonna defeat You're going to conquer. You're going to overcome by the sword of the Lord. So no wonder Jesus says, he didn't say, I come with a breastplate. He didn't say, I come with a shield. He said, I came with a sword. You're never going to get the enemy to stop attacking you unless you take out the sword. The church has decided to make concession. just easier. Instead of what the Lord told us to do, let's make concession with the devil. Okay, if the government says it, you know, I guess you know. Here's the out. Obey the laws of the land. Well, I'm sorry. God's people have never obeyed the laws of the land. Not in that way. Not when it came to God's word or their word. There's always been this idea, and I know that we've been taught it, you know, live peaceably, and you should. And you should do the laws as as good as you can to live peaceably in your life. But when it comes to the Word of the Lord, His Word is supreme. And so if the government says this and that, or City Hall says, or it doesn't matter, we hold to the Word of the Lord. Because the sword of the Lord, if we put the sword down, We will never be victorious in Christ Jesus. So this two meanings of, let me go back to this, two meanings of uh, offense. The first one is to aggressively attack militarily, to invade, and to advance. Isn't it interesting what agenda is being advanced in our country? And they even say that. They're advancing their agenda. LGBT and everything else, queers and all of them. I hate to miss anybody. They're advancing their agenda. But at the same time, the church is doing what? We're trying to set in defense. Come on. We're just trying to make it through the storm. Well, let me tell you this, the storm will never quit. Because the one advancing their agenda don't stop. When they get that part done, they go on to something else. And then when they get that done, they go on to something else. And their agenda never stops, and the attack never stops, and the war never stops. And while we're sitting here just trying to, to make it through it and, and barely eke along, the enemy is advancing. The second definition, offense, Would be, you know what this is, it's the cause, uh, to cause someone to feel upset or to offend someone. Let me say this. I'm going to make this statement right here. It's a pretty sure thing that if the rhema word of God, the sword of the Lord, is delivered, that's offense, someone will get an offense, There's no way that I can stand up here and preach the Word of God without somebody getting offended. And so we've figured out how to do that. You put the Word of God down. You put the sword of the Lord down because it doesn't bring peace in the congregation. And that's part of the reason why there's there's something always going. In a church that's going to preach the Word of God, there are people that aren't going to like it. Everyone here likes it. And if you do, say amen. All right, looking at everybody. But they said to Rabbi Jesus, they said, Lord, don't you realize that people are getting offended by your words? His answer to that came in the scriptures we read last week. His answer is, I did not come to bring peace. Oh, shock. People are being offended at what I'm saying. And the answer is, I didn't come to bring peace. If we gather in a building, and we're here to just bring peace to each other and just have a, uh, just a great, good, wonderful life and just share peace and happiness and joy all the way around, We have put the sword down, Mm -hmm. and we're coming to bring peace. But Rabbi Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword, and now I'm going to say like I did at one part last week, and they said unto him, don't you know that the people are getting offended, and and then his answer would be, yes, I understand that. Uh, Next. The Lord is not concerned with your offense at the word of God. Oh, please, brother, don't be offended. Just, I'm just, but that's a hard word, brother. That's a hard, hard word. I just, I'm so offended. And the Lord just come down and. And I can see him. The model that we have now would be Jesus chasing the young man who went away sorrowfully, shaking his head because he couldn't sell all and follow Jesus. Jesus, oh, come back, please. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. Jesus intentionally offended that man. I think we just got a wrong view of who Jesus is. We put ourselves in the place of being the rabbi and him being the student no he is going to offend if you don't like the word of god if you don't want to adhere to the word of god you don't like the sword of the lord there is going to be offense in your life jesus ordered his disciples to buy swords and again we talked about this it just just uh, it it makes sense it's not time for them to die it's not time for them to be taken away. Peter demonstrates, you know, the power of the sword, and and uh, but the Lord did tell them to go buy swords. They said, "We have two here." He said, "It's enough." He didn't tell them to go buy a shield. He didn't tell them to go buy a breastplate. Go buy a helmet, because I think it was very intentional is that the Lord is demonstrating to them and to us that the man of God is going to have to pick up the sword. Of course, Peter put that up. Now, if you you live by that, you're going to die by that. But yet, it was a sword. It it means more. It's, it's an attack weapon. And I believe the Word of God is an offensive weapon against the kingdom of the devil. And if we choose to set aside the Word of God because it is offensive to people, then we have no, we have zero power against the power of the devil attacking the church. They would exit the upper room filled with the Spirit of God, but they were carrying a flaming, whirling sword with them. I don't know if you noticed the message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. He pointed his finger in their face and said, the King of Glory was here, and you guys crucified him. Hmm, that seems like a sword to me. That's an attack. He did come out there and say, now listen guys, you know, we kind of made a mistake here, fellas. And and let me, let's just regroup and we're just going to, everybody's going to be good. We're all good. You're all good. And to know he said, you guys have killed the king of glory. And from that point, they have the sword of the Lord in their hand. No one's coming into the way of life, the kingdom of God, if they don't come through the word of God and the sword of the Lord. And so we look at the church and what's happened to the church since they came out of the day of Pentecost. And they're afraid to, to wield the sword because someone might get offended. Someone might leave the church. Well, I've got news for you. I've been pastoring long enough to know that almost everybody's going to leave the church unless they realize that the Word of God is more important to them and more important to this church body than their opinion. But if your opinion is greater, you're on the way out. So we might as well go ahead and preach the Word of God anyway. What's happened to the church that if we take the sword of the lord we may fall out of favor with city council and people may not like us and and we won't get called to go down and pray the prayers over their meetings and they just you know will will back off from us yeah that will happen if we take the word of the lord in our hand and and if we take the word of our lord in our hand other church groups that there are churches everywhere all over we thought there was a lot of churches in california they can't even hold a candle to what's here. I can't even guess at how many churches are here in Claremore, just Claremore itself. And then not not to mention, every time we go out for a drive and a ride, we get out in the country and there's a big church and there's another big church and another big there are churches everywhere. Well, they will they will label us as not loving. And they will label us as being too harsh and too hard and not, not caring about people and not loving people. Thank you, Pastor Ronnie. years ago, if you don't love God first, if you love people first, you are not obeying the commandment of God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God first with all thy heart, and then next we're loving people. God loves His Word. That's His Word. He said it. And we have to love His Word first. Can you say Amen. And so we have put the sword away and live on defense. The church is being inundated with the world's values. We dumb down the values of the Lord. We dumb them down. So that everybody's comfortable. Everybody's good. The rabbi said, we're more than conquerors. We're more than... Wow. Okay, conquerors. Hmm. That doesn't seem like we're in a corner holding a shield over our head. We are victorious. We always, he always causes us to triumph. There is no conquering, triumph, or victory without conquest. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus because I was able to sit there and and somehow I made it through, and and that that's not working for me anymore. Oh, the devil come in like a flood, you know, and, and the Spirit of the Lord raised up a standard against, but I did nothing. I just you know the devil just coming in uh, like a flood. He's attacking, he's attacking, but the church is not to be aggressive. The church is not to conquer. The church is not supposed to be violent and the violent take it by force. The church is not supposed to paint metaphors like I'm doing this morning about a sword that makes people feel like they're militant And but I believe that it's high time for the people of God to take the sword of God in their hand and if you want to call it militant if you want to call it attacking if you want to call it aggressive if you want to call it conquest that's fine but we're going to get nowhere if we sit back and let the devil come in the house of God and we don't stand up with the word of God and say you're not coming in here you're not we're preaching the word of God in here yeah it's 2000 years old. Oh, you just don't realize that that people have changed and and cultures change, societies change and I don't care to realize about that. I'm staying with the word of God which is old established. The sword of the Lord has never changed. We didn't get to a point where it was the dagger of the Lord. And then the pocket knife of the Lord. And finally, it's it's the, it's the cushion of the Lord. I mean, we just get to the place where we totally let go. The sword of the Lord should be in the hands of the men and the women who are ready to fight for what is right, to ready to fight for the freedoms that God has declared over the church, ready to fight. For the values that God has declared over our families, that He's declared over our lives. I'm ready to fight with the Word of God. Like I said last week, we're not going out to blow things up and tear people up. We are taking the Word of God in our hand and saying, that's enough, devil. That's enough. Well, it might make some people mad. It might, it might make some people upset. But you know what? I've upset a lot of people in my life already. So a few more isn't going to matter. But I think the word of God needs to be in our hand. Can you say amen? Thank you, Lord. I hate to wear Thomas' pain out, but this, this spoke to me. In his book, Common Sense... He made this statement. He who dares not offend cannot be honest. The church needs to get honest again. The church has been lying to people, the church has accepted things that God said no, telling people it's okay. Telling people that God loves you anyway, it's all good. It's time for us with common sense to realize that if you can't dare to offend somebody, you can't speak boldly and plainly by the Word of God into their life. My children, when I raised them, I'm sure they got offended at me at times. I'm sure of it. But I'm going to keep on it. Because it was right. Dad, I can remember some of those conversations. Dad, but, you know, all the other kids are kind of doing this and that. And why can't we do, you know, X, Y, Z? And, and uh, one time I just turned to Rodney. I got sick and tired of it. And I just picked up the sword in my hand. And, and Rodney said, you know, d- the other guys are doing this. And I said, they're going to hell. Me and Barrett Coop, we, we might get that song together at some point. I'm not going to hell. Sometimes you have to take up that sword of the Lord. Well, sometimes kids don't like it. Remember what Jesus said last week? He said, those of your household, you know, they may not like it. I'm telling you what, it's hard. It's tough. It's tough to stay with it. It's tough to stay with it. The pressure is there to, to give up and give over and quit and don't do it no more. You know, let's just accept everybody, who they are, what they are, whatever they are. Let's just accept people, what we need to do. is just accept people, and the Word of God is in our heart and in our hand, and says, no, there is a way of life. There is a tree of life. Somebody say, man, there is a cross of Christ that's right. It's life eternal, and I will not look another path, another way to get there. I've got to go where the sword of the Lord is at, even though few there be that find it. And so, Jesus, I came to bring a sword. Offense that results in offense is totally necessary for the keeping of the doctrines of God in place in the church. Let me say that again. Offense, which is the Word of God, attack. And offense because... The word of God has gone out are both necessary to keep the doctrine of God in place in the church there's no other way and so we get up and the brothers get up and we begin to preach and, and somebody doesn't like it somebody gets upset somebody talks about the preacher if you're in the word of God they're not talking about you They're talking about the sword of the Lord. And so, strap it on or get out of the way. That's as strong as it can get. Either strap the word of God on or get out. You're not going to be in the kingdom Not in His kingdom, very long, without the Word of God strapped to your side and in your hand and in your mouth. So that's kind of, you know, real plain language right there. But it's absolutely the truth. And finally, Jesus says this at the end of His ministry, just so they know. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But my words, my sword will never pass away. So, what's the life expectancy on the sword of the Lord? Will we ever get to a place where we don't need the sword of the Lord anymore? No. Heaven and earth will pass away first. But my sword will still survive. It will still be alive. The flaming Whirling sword of the Lord. Accept it. Can you say amen? Accept it. Strap it on. Make it part of your life. Thank you, Lord. Would you stand with me? God bless you. Man, I preached a little bit different this morning than what I normally do and made some expressions that may have been a little different. But my whole point, my whole purpose for what I said this morning is that we realize the Word of God, it outweighs everything. It outweighs your understanding, your experiences. It outweighs the dilemmas of life. It is written as more powerful than the devil. There is an offense over the Word of God and people that get offended, I can't do anything about that. The Lord didn't do anything about that. We don't do anything about that. What we do is focus ourselves to the Word of God. Can you say amen? So when others, other churches, other families, other people, other places, they're going other directions, trying new things and doing all kinds of stuff that they may feel good about, I'm holding to the Word of the Lord in my life. It's the only tool I've got to slay the devil with. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we just thank you. Thank you for our time here today. We thank you for this lesson, this morning, sermon. God, that come out of your word that teaches us so much, Lord, that it's time for us to let go of other things, let go of the ways of the world in the church, to hold on, Lord, to your precious word, which is life, strength. It is the sword, the word, the rhema, God-breathed, living word of God in us. And, Lord, we thank you for it this morning. I pray that we'll go out of here strengthened in this word And we give you the praise, Jesus. Everybody say amen. Let's give the Lord a thank you and a hand clap of praise.